welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland, it's been an exciting high school season. We kept talking. We've teased it long enough. You've sat. You've done the math because math is hard, and I'm not a math major. <laughs> and as a political science major, all I needed to know was what's 50 plus one. And... So you did the math to get us the Yak Cup standings. We have our Yak Cup champion, and I will go ahead and let the people know how it shook out. We'll start at the bottom because, you know, maybe last place in the standings, but still a good season overall. Some highlights for them, Buffalo Gap. Football team did really well this year. Baseball team did great this year for Buffalo Gap. Basketball was up. Basketball was up. We look at Waynesboro. Girls soccer and boys track, the standout sports there, really helped Waynesboro get into that spot above Buffalo Gap. You have a lot of their run in sports. Yep. Yep. Stanton, just more consistent than Waynesboro, right? And so that's why they rank just ahead of Waynesboro. They're in fifth place in the Yak Cup standings. Fourth place, we had Stewart's draft with competition cheer and girls track really carrying the way there for the Cougars. Um, football, obviously, another sport that finishes high up in the standings. Baseball had a pretty good season for Stewart's draft as well. Uh, Riverheads makes the podium at third football wrestling. No surprise there that those are the two sports that they did great at, uh, Fort defiance close to the champion, but they are in second man, boys, cross country, well, really cross country in general, uh, volleyball, girls, basketball, softball, girls, tennis, and man, just what a season for Fort defiance there. And our champion the Wilson Memorial Green Hornets win the inaugural Yak Cup. Yeah, they they had champions in golf, boys basketball, baseball, boys soccer, boys tennis, really had a lot of strength here in the spring. But all season, uh, it was between them and Fort. I think it was kind of established after the fall. We kind of realized it was going to be Wilson or Fort Defiance. But, you know, who better than to talk to about this Yak Cup than the person who leads the athletic department there at Wilson Memorial. We're going to welcome on Craig Flesher, the athletic director from Wilson. Thanks for coming on and thanks for let's talking about, you know, everything that went well on the fields and courts there for you at Wilson. Oh, no, thank you for having me. And so Joe and I, when we uh, set up the Yak Cup, it's basically uh, we set it up for uh, district performance and all our local schools in the county that we cover for this podcast. Uh, just kind of rank them uh, based on how they finished in the Shenandoah district. And uh, in this inaugural Yak Cup, Wilson Memorial uh, was the winner. So congratulations for your school and uh, the five district championships that helped make that happen. And uh, uh, thanks for coming on to talk about it. Absolutely. It was just good to have a uh, normal, I guess, uh, yeah. a normal year this year. So we were uh, certainly glad to, uh, to have that for sure. So yeah, let's let's start with uh, that before we dive into uh, how the school. Since you brought it up, you know, coming off the the pandemic, you had all these seasons shoved into the uh, second semester last year. So uh, every single season had a short uh, break between uh, that and the start of the twenty one season. You know, how was that for you as an AD of organizing these sports and and getting everybody in line and where they're supposed to and back to normal? What what was that for your role involved on these sports? That was uh, that was difficult because, um, and I think we knew it was going to be difficult. Um, the surprise was how difficult this year was, um, just not in athletics, but in school in general. 
Um, but with that in particular, the, the high school league, we, we had kind of like a guide and, um, you know, what their expectations were. And then you had local expectations. And so we're taking kids temperatures every day and they're filling out waivers every single day. And um, you, you're trying to figure out schedules when you, like we went to Waynesboro in football and it was snowing. Um, <laughs> it was the last, uh, last Friday in February, I believe. Um, so it, it was wild, um, but certainly better than the previous spring when we had a, a class of seniors that didn't even get to have senior nights. Sure. So um, we kind of concentrated here on um, and, and stealing from Tony Bennett, I guess, um, being thankful, uh, being thankful that we had a season and had an opportunity to compete. And so we, we tended to kind of try to concentrate on the, the positive a little bit. And, and then certainly we're glad to have normalcy return this year well in that normalcy you guys started off right in the fall you guys won a uh, golf um, uh, district championship and a great performances out there um, with your uh, coach Trina Daniel leading that effort uh, you, you know that that team was able to win the district and then uh, you know uh, make a little bit of noise uh, in regions and and so forth but uh, a great season out of that golf team yeah and actually a unique season um, the the very first event um, I think we finished close to the bottom. We didn't finish at oh, the wow. bottom, but it, it was in the bottom, certainly the bottom third. Um, and, and it was a district event. Um, but uh, certainly our, our golf team, um, our golf program has been strong for a few years now, five or so years, five or six the years kind of get away from me. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, um, I mean, we were double a state runner ups. Um and another year when we went to states, um, I think we were fifth or sixth. Um, and then and, and when we were three A, we went um, again. So we had experienced some success, but the, the team had graduated some some folks over the last couple of years. Um, so it was really cool uh, to watch uh, them kind of build from that first performance. We were like, oh gosh, this isn't what we were used to <laughs> to winning the, the the district championship there at the end. And that's great. Uh, moving forward into the winter, I mean, you had a lot of good fall finishers. We'll, we might come back and touch on a couple of those. But I want to highlight these district championships. The boys basketball, you know, Jeremy Hartman, uh, you know, it seemed like they've been knocking on the door there and had a lot of good talent come through that team. But they were able to bring home the championship for the district this year. No, they were, they were a lot of fun. Um, the way that they played, um, you know, they were up-tempo. They shared the ball. When we were at our best, uh, with the boys team, um, the kids were sharing the ball and didn't really care who had the credit um, and, and putting up a, a, some decent numbers and, and, and really playing well against some pretty solid competition. So they were a lot of fun uh, to watch this year. I don't um, I don't know off the top of my head, but it, I think it's uh, first Wilson basketball district championship in, 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 in nine years almost a decade i think something like that so that was a, really cool to see them hang a banner this year well i was on a team at riverheads uh two decades ago that denied wilson a, a championship so uh so that's my personal fandom coming out uh from back 20 years ago but i was happy that they wanted this year i mean they came into this season looking for a championship they were one of the favorite to uh to be up there near the top of the rankings and uh they brought it home that was great yeah, certainly. Uh, certainly, we didn't sneak up on anyone. I think yeah. everyone knew what we had coming back. We we were going to be a contender, but Buffalo Gap certainly everyone kind of was talking about them. And and I remember at the beginning of the season, 
um, people kind of said it, it was open. Uh, you know, anyone could beat anyone. Um, and I think that played out. Um, oh, I it did. Stuart Straff, I think, finished towards the towards the bottom. I don't know where they were ended up, but they, they were our only district loss. Yeah. Um, so it was a, a wide open field, but our guys showed up night in, night out, and, and, and um, really had a good year. It was fun to watch. I think similarly in baseball, uh, looking ahead at the spring at your next district champion, uh, you know, baseball was another uh, program. You guys, uh, I guess there was the three-way tie in the spring uh, or the, you know, the late spring season during the pandemic. But then you guys came into this year with expectations, and then you did bring home the district crown with minimal district losses. But again, a, uh, a season where anybody could beat anybody. We saw Stanton knock off uh, top teams. We, uh, I think Buffalo Gap. Uh, was one of y'all's few um, district losses there from, and they were down in the rankings a little bit. Uh, but baseball, another great season, another well-coached season by uh, Coach Rodney Cullen there. Yeah, no, it was a uh, um, shared title with us drafting Fort right. in 21. And, um, you know, baseball, especially in high school, but at any level, uh, pitching is the name of the game. And uh, our guys posted um, – if it wasn't five shutouts, it was close to five across the, the 20 game regular season this year. Yeah. Um, and the first round region game, I think they only gave up one to Fluvanna. Um, so pitching kind of put us in position. Um, and then kind of the chips fell from there. Yeah. Gap, I think Gap um, was our only district loss. Just like basketball only lost one, they only lost one. And, and we went over to Gap and, and um, uh, the, the Canterbury kid pitched a nice game against us that night. And uh, they beat us three to two. Um, but baseball had a, had a really strong year. Um, we have a lot of kids in our program who, um, baseball is their primary or their only sport. And so they, they're out training in the fall, um, and, and really dedicated and, and, um, glad to see them, uh, win an outright one this year. And so soccer, that's the, the next district champion I want to talk about. Uh, you have Coach Scott Harrison there who's uh, been there, done that coach. He's, he's coached deep into VHSL playoffs and uh, coached you up for a great district title and, and set you up well for uh, the Region 3C. And I think soccer and baseball is what really highlighted uh, to me how tough, as you guys were successful in these districts, Region 3C is tough just in, across the board. And you guys held your own there, uh, but it, it was hard to get out of that Region 3C that we had seen previously with schools like Fort Defiance. You guys were the, the ones, kind of the top dogs in a lot of sports this year that uh, found out how hard it was in 3C. I like it, though. Yeah, um, it is good. It, um, I think it means more when you win. Mm -hmm. um, you're facing quality competition. We kind of look at it with some pride. We are, when you look at 3A, um, you know, the class of 50-some schools, we're certainly going to be with our enrollment in the bottom third of, of that grouping. Um, but, you know, for our teams to, to um, advance in the regional, we've got a couple of region champions. Wrestling was one. They didn't win the district, but they won the region. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, means more for our kids, uh, than, than to beat maybe schools with maybe a little bit less enrollment. So I, I'm certainly proud when, when they do that, um, soccer. Yeah. I mean, and, and certainly soccer and, and yeah. 3C with the Charlottesville, um, folks, um, you know, can be tough. Um, they lost an overtime to Spotswood in, in the mm -hmm. region, uh, quarter. Um, but the, the, that one of the teams that ended up moving on to states, Monticello, we swept in the regular season. Um, yeah. So 
I think it was one that, um, you know, we could have made a little run or, or could have gone home in that first round, which we did. But we had some seniors that had been around with us for a few years. Um, one of the big regrets um, from that pandemic year is uh, we had a, a very strong uh, senior class that year that uh, never got to compete. We, we really felt good about, about that group. Um, but certainly this group uh, had an outstanding uh, district campaign in particular. They, they took a couple losses early in the non-district, but uh, um, came together and, and yeah. played really well down the street. And, and really fared well in that rivalry against Stanton that's developed because Stanton's such a good soccer program as well. And you guys had the upper hand in that this season. And, and that, that was impressive locally within the district, but I'm sure set you up well for – uh, you know, those games against, you know, uh, knowing that you had those games against Monticello and you'd done well there, um, able to really look good against Stanton and, and gave you confidence going into the postseason, I'm sure. Well, that and then with the way our, our region does the, the rankings, um, it's a point system, kind of like a PowerPoint yes. deal. And so beating Stanton, who's going to be a, a, a win with uh, – you get a seven points for a win and you get a point for every team that a defeated opponent has won so Stanton getting more wins that 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 certainly helped us with seeding as well always a big help but I kind of buried the lead here probably the the team that won uh you know did well in the district did well in the region but then went on to have a state runner-up team finish and produce a doubles state title your Wilson uh Memorial boys tennis team what a what a great year for them and a, and a team that's been uh at a high level here for some years but this year you know bringing home some hardware at the state level very impressive run from the tennis yeah, Wilson Tennis kind of best kept secret, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I started in 2014, and, and that's when our girls were really strong. And they had a, a, a string of like, um, I'm sure I'm going to get this wrong, but it, it was 80-some, even in the 90s, of regular season matches won consecutively. Um, and, and then the boys kind of came on. Um, and, and now and we knew this team was going to be strong um because um we only lost one athlete to graduation last year and, yeah. and uh, um that athlete was kind of uh, he was he was like a five or six on our ladder so we returned the the, the the top portion of the ladder and um so we thought they were gonna be good and then the first match of the year um i told we had a new coach nathan garlitz and, and i told him how good we were going to be and um they get on the bus and go to monticello and they lost and i was like oh man maybe i'm a liar <laughs> um, uh, but then they didn't lose again until no. the, the state, the state final. Um, so, um, really, really good, uh, group of guys, uh, Chase Pullen, uh, Connor Miller, Jake Wangler, Jack Reed, uh, Timmy Cole, uh, Clay Meeks. And, um, uh, I'm missing one. Um, uh, it'll come to me. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, good group of seven guys that um, uh, ran through the district and then um, had some tough battles with LCA in the region and, and played them in the state um, and then just ran into a really good Maggie Walker team in the state final. Well, yeah, well, congratulations on all those uh, district championships and also that state hardware that you guys brought back. And I know some some region uh, great finishes in there as well. Um, you know, kind of moving things forward, uh, you know, a comment that I always get covering sports and also I experience is, is how great y'all's facilities are out there. And I know, uh, you know, a lot of that starts before you're even there, but you've been able to maintain that as well as add some great facility uh, to y yourself. You know, talk about the effort that it takes to keep 
you know, such great playing fields, uh, nice gyms, uh, you know, all the facilities that you guys use. Talk about that uh, from the AD perspective. Uh, Brandon DeWald. That was that was my guy that I forgot. Uh, there you go. There you go. Brandon DeWald. He, he played five for us. Um, so before I moved here, um, I worked at a 6A school in Woodbridge. Yes. Um, and um, when I, come, I came here and kind of touring the facility, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, we have, in some cases, uh, nicer facilities than we had at a, at a school for 2,400 kids out there. We're really fortunate here um, with the practice facilities we have. We can, we can kind of farm out different teams to different rectangular fields. Um, and we've got some other coaches that have really cared a lot about facilities. It's certainly um, – is not an effort that I've led. I've, I've, I've certainly supported it over time, but um, they, for years, uh, have taken pride in it. So our kids are fortunate. We we have talked as a staff before, like we, we would love to be able to play more than 20 games in a season so that we could ship our kids out <clears throat> to some of the different areas in the Commonwealth so they can see kind of really how fortunate we are not only at Wilson, but in Augusta County in general, to, to have the facilities that we do, because um, I think sometimes you take some things for granted. And certainly, this isn't Georgia High School where we got jumbotrons and party decks on um, <laughs> in the stadium, but we're pretty fortunate to have what we have here. And um, uh, certainly, we take pride at Wilson and having nice facilities, playing fields, and uh, I, I do think our gym um, is beautiful and, and um, our baseball field is, is really nice, and we would like to address. Um, we're getting lights at softball this year, Great. Um, which is, is long overdue. And, and those young ladies certainly deserve that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're very proud of it. We, we certainly appreciate it. the coaches um, that have come before us and the administration that has come before us to kind of help pave the road for that. And, and as you brought up the whole countywide, how great the facilities are throughout the county, which I agree with. Uh, but talk to the level of play in, in our district. I mean, that's one thing that I, you know, now that uh, we have so many different, you know, three different classifications represented within one district and, and all kind of spread out between class three, two and one. And um, how well this district prepares everybody for the postseason because the high level of play when you look at, you know, you know, the football and the, and the basketball and the baseball and the soccer, you know, just across the board. And I'm, I'm leaving out some sports there. Just how well prepared this district gets you to compete across the state. No, I think that's a good point. Um, we have had some debates in our region three meetings because, you know, folks who don't play them uh, kind of look at like a riverheads or a gap um, um, and, and kind of turn their nose up maybe Um and you're explaining that no guys like these guys are, are pretty strong in, in, in certain sports. Like you, you, you have to strap on and, and, and um, be ready to play every single night when you're playing these folks. And the fact that, you know, these kids all grow up together. So yeah. um, if you learn at an early age that Johnny can't hit a curveball, everyone's going to know it. Um, and so <laughs> sometimes it's easier to get into region play where nobody knows um, your roster as well. Um, but, you know, talking to uh, – I was talking to a, a friend at, at Stewart's Draft, and, of course, their baseball team made a little run, and he made the point, look, playing in the Shenandoah District helped us. Um, and I know Wilson uh, – 10-run draft at Wilson. Um, I don't remember the score at draft, but um, I think we won uh, going away. Um, 
and that's a team that that made a little run and 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 my friend's point was you know playing through that that grinder helped us prepare for their their play also that they could have success um and they certainly did and certainly as a supporter of community athletics i was glad to see them um gap softball um fort obviously we knew they were good so it it um it's awesome to see local teams go out and be successful because i think there's a lot of pride uh in this area um and, and people want to see others do well yeah it's i think that pride shows when and that's what's great about this district is getting everybody within the augusta county uh footprint all in one district those great gates particularly on friday nights in the fall but even at you know basketball gyms and baseball um fields you know getting the big crowds out there i think there is a lot of support in the area and and you guys, it's it's great as a fan to come to Wilson and then also see the high-level play that Wilson's running to the table uh, as well as the opponents. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, um, we've we certainly uh, enjoyed watching some of the athletes that have, have been our better athletes come through and, and continue their careers in, in college. Certainly that's a goal. That was always a number one goal of mine before we talk about winning um, when I was coaching to get athletes placements in college. Um, so certainly we're proud of that here at Wilson. But then on top of that, um, when you see um, uh, athletes at opposing schools that um, have some success and go on, I mean, you, you um, develop a sense of, of pride for this area, I'm sure. Um, and I wasn't here when she came through uh, through the schools, but I heard all about Megan Good yeah. um, when, when she came through. Um, and now you see other athletes, you know, going on. I know there was the, the lineman at Riverheads that, that played at Pitt. Um, yep. again, Mike Herndon, yeah. Um, and Lil Barry, uh, who's going to go to Penn State now for four. Yeah. So I, yeah. all of us, even if we were a green, we want to see those kids uh, uh, be successful at the next level for sure. That has been a great thing about this area is the, the level of support that seems to grow uh, once they're not against uh, the, the high school that their, their kid plays for. Everybody starts cheering for these kids that they got to watch play. Uh, for four plus years. And, and like you said earlier, uh, not just four plus years, you know, all the way through little league and uh, all stars and, and all that when the County comes together before high school. And uh, it, it's great to live in this community. And, and, I, and you're a great leader of uh, one of the institutions here, you know, putting these kids through there. Oh, thank you. It's, it's been a blessing for my family to um, end up at Wilson. Um, well, we, you know, we, yeah, you were a draft guy, right? You were, you graduated from Swiss draft. Draft grad, and uh, then we moved away and, and crossed uh, the lines, huh? <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> Wilson and uh, in Waynesboro, we didn't enjoy those games at draft. Those are ones we wanted to win, and 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 now uh, being on the other side of that, but um, um, it's 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 a great community. We're very fortunate to have the community support we have here. It was so cool. One of the the, the images that sticks in my mind. Um, was our first football game uh, this year? Because of course, last year until the the last game of the of the six, you you only could have limited admission. Um, and so the first home football game this year, like the community really showed out um, uh, against Monticello to the point where the Monticello administration came to me and they're like, "Wow, it's like a party over in Hillside." <laughs> it's I mean, people have had something taken away from them that they, they hold very important uh, in this area for for the last little bit because of something out of their control and and so it, people were glad to get back out and we were certainly glad to host them and and give their kids and sons and daughters a, a quote-unquote normal uh experience so it's it's just a blessing to to be a part of such a wonderful community in that regard 
Well, Craig, thanks for coming on and talking with me. I know Joe was uh, sorry to miss this uh, due to scheduling, but uh, we appreciate you coming on. I look forward to maybe talking to you down the road or, or some of your coaches uh, as they're, you know, hopefully continuing the uh, high level of Yak Cup uh, uh, put out that they did this year coming into the new season. No, that would be the goal. Um, and we'll excuse <laughs> Joe because he's a Birds fan and the, my, our Orioles are trending in the right direction. So um, Yeah, de- despite your visit, you were there last week and, and uh, they didn't come through for you, but it seems like every other game, maybe, maybe you need to stay away is, is uh, part of it. I think that's a debate on this week's podcast is talking about uh, – you know, superstitions with presence at games. And uh, yeah, it, you, your, your email to me kind of rain, like how I feel about my teams. I, I sometimes try to stay away because I feel like they do worse when I'm there. Yeah. The last, of course, this could speak to the roster or <laughs> might not be your fault. I'm, I'm <laughs> way up to Charm city. Uh, they've lost, but uh, that's all right. We'll, we'll turn on mass and watch it. That's fun. Well, very good. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we look forward to seeing more success out of Wilson. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. So thanks again there to Craig Flesher coming on. Joe, sorry you weren't able to join us for that conversation. Uh, you know, you with uh, the the nine to five, um, and yeah. You can't skip away just whenever you want, like I do. Um, but you know, he said some great things there and 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 highlighted you know the other you know strong schools in the uh, in the Augusta County area and the district, and gave credit to um, up and down the ladder there, the Class One teams, the Class Two teams, how everybody is you know, so competitive there, but to me, nothing stood out more in the Yak Cup and the, in the standings was Fort Defiance. And, and I said that leading in there, you know, they really pushed Wilson here. There was, it was just a couple points difference um, based on the standings. And what impressed me a lot about Fort Defiance, what stood out is that they won boys cross country and then they won five uh, more district titles, all in girls sports. They won the girls cross country, the volleyball, the girls basketball, the softball, and the girls tennis. And that stuck out to me. No one else, uh, you know, dominated uh, girls sports the way Fort Defiance did. They never finished worse than third place in any sport this year in girls sports. And so I thought that was really impressive. You know, when you're watching it as the season goes on, you're just, you know, you know, you're impressed that a lot of these girls teams are performing well, but then when you see it written down on paper that they're in the top three in all of them, uh, bringing home a bunch of those district titles, just really impressed with Fort Defiance was able to do uh, and, and how they were able to maintain that second place finish there behind Wilson. Well, I mean, yeah, like no one's going to be that dominant in girls sports because Fort Defiance wins. They were, they were, the, <laughs> they were, yeah, they were the ones that were dominant. I mean, it's hard to win. Fort Defiance didn't leave many girls sports out there for other teams to win. So, um, but it's been, it was impressive. Uh, you know, like we said, Waynesboro won girls soccer. And I think, um, draft one competition cheer. Girls track and draft. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of it. Uh, they they were really awesome, and it'll be interesting to see as this competition goes forward, uh, how that continues to shake out. I know the ladies there at Fort Defiance, but you know, Leland, it shouldn't be that surprising because we talk about you know the Lillian Berries and all the female athletes at Fort yeah, Defiance. This isn't a new thing. Right. They play multiple sports. They're great athletes so naturally they're going to carry over season after season and keep being great athletes at all these different sports and that's what gives Ford Defiance the advantage this year in that in those sports unfortunately for Ford Defiance as a whole they finished just behind Wilson Memorial in a great race between those two schools uh here in the Yak Cup yeah and then they set them those two schools early on looked like they were gonna be the front runners 
And uh, then the kind of the rest of the ladder, you can kind of see, you know, I'm also impressed, you know, and, and I'll sound like a homer, but it's legitimate. Riverhead's being third place, being the smallest school in the area. And, and you know, the way VHSL sets up these sports, you know, they just, they draw lines between the schools of, you know, the population and who should be better or, or worse. And, and Riverhead's continues to define that all the time. They, they perform well. If they're not one in the district title, they're competitive. Um, they're so dominant in football, which that stands out. And, um, but they're, they're right there. And a lot of these girls sports, uh, that Fort Defiance one, you know, softball Riverhead's right behind girls, basketball Riverhead's has gone to a couple straight state finals there. So volleyball is always, is, is traditionally strong. So, you know, Riverhead's really does step up and it's, this isn't a yak cup that's defined by classifications. You have two class three schools, but then you have Waynesboro a class three school, you know, you know, in the sixth spot. Uh, you have Riverhead's, the smallest school, sitting there in the third. Uh, so it really does dance around there, and, and I appreciate that about the area. And we talk, and and uh, Craig Flesher mentioned that talking about you know other schools kind of point out you know well you play some class one schools in your district, and yeah, it's no pushover when you play them. And and you know Wilson's baseball team won one lost one district game this year. It was to Buffalo Gap. Um, you know it's just you know they the basketball team I think only lost one district. Uh, game that was a Stewart Strap. That was a class two school. So like it, it shows the competitiveness that's happened in this district in this area and everybody pushing each other. And so I appreciate that. And I think everybody's better for it. Now I think it, it is it, it does show where I think Riverheads and Buffalo Gap in class one probably they're just ready to play at that higher level against these class three schools. So when they get into class one they they do very well. Um but hey that's the way VHSL set it up and until it's different. I'm, I'm sure those schools will strive to be in the same kind of spots. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes from uh, starting next year. Yeah. So the uh, speaking of next year, uh, we will have plenty of time to dissect the high school football, but just a, a little bit of June football talk, especially this week with the schedule coming out, a lot of football scheduling talk uh, on tonight's episode. But, you know, the VHSL put the master schedule out. Uh, some of the schools in our area, we did know what their schedule already looked like, but schools like Riverheads, I think Buffalo Gap, uh, Stewart's Draft, we didn't know where exactly every single one of those schools were going to play games uh, because things had to be figured out. And with how the schedule worked out last year, you, just, you had to see where it worked out. The first thing that stands out to me with this is that Stewart's Draft and Riverheads not going to play that double, uh, you know, meet twice this year, not going to play that non-district meeting early in the season. Uh, Riverheads did win both of those games last year, but that that's the best rivalry in the area we have right now. So we were a little bit spoiled last year getting two of those. Uh, but this coming year, we will not get that. Stewart's Draft will host Greenbrier East out of West Virginia in week four instead of playing Riverheads that week. Uh, Riverheads will actually take their bye week then, and then they'll go to Westmoreland, a school formerly known as Washington and Lee. They have a brand-new facility down there, and uh, they renamed it. Uh, going into the new building. Uh, I do think they're going to play on the old football field, though. But Riverheads will make that trip on a Friday night in week six. Uh, but that was the first thing that jumped out to me schedule-wise, that we that we won't get that doubleheader of uh, the Stewart's Draft games in the regular season. Um, I'm okay with that. I, I think I like it's better for the teams to play only once. I think it, I think it adds more to that one occasion. I agree. And uh, I, I agree with that. I like that they're not playing twice. I hate that both schools have to play schools from so far away. And 
this goes to the old issue that we've been talking about these last couple of years. Teams not eager to play Stewart's draft because they're going to the state final so many years in a row. Mm-hmm. Teams traditionally now not eager to play Riverheads because they win the state final so many times. So I, I wish there was closer opponents because you know that gate with Riverheads will sit or Riverheads Stewart's draft had to be a pretty good gate. And these games probably won't produce uh, the same kind of number. They won't. So, uh, but I, I do like that they're playing somebody different and, and both uh, opponents that neither of these schools are very used to. The Greenbrier East game for Stewart's draft is a first meeting. Uh, the um, Westmoreland for Riverheads, they played that program just a couple years ago, uh, the year before the pandemic. Riverheads, I think, was supposed to uh, vi- match up with them again at the next year, but then the pandemic moved to the spring and that didn't happen. So I'm glad they're getting that game in. I don't know about future matchups. Um, looking at other schedule notes, Last year, Wilson and Stanton had that first week of the season scheduled, and then there was a COVID protocol, and they had to they just pushed it to the last week because both of them had week eleven buys. This year, they're just starting off that way. That way, they're going to take the week one buy. They'll see each other in the season finale, so that will kind of line up to how things were uh, last year. Yeah, I, uh, oof, that's tough, right? For those schools to put the week one buy in. Um, that's just hard. I I know Riverheads, that's typically what they do, too. They love doing that. Yeah. yeah um, but for a lot of schools, that's hard. That's 10 straight weeks on your kids, and then you're hoping but to hey, be good enough to get into the playoffs. And the you're probably alternate playing that. was a week 11 by. So either way, they were going to play 10 straight weeks. That's so true. It, I guess I'd rather have my buy at the end of the year. Up. I guess I'd rather have it at the end of the year going in the postseason if I, if I have a choice. But that's, you know, it's whatever. You got to play 10 yeah. straight weeks either way. And that way, it's you're only playing 10 straight weeks if it's at the end versus you're playing 10 straight weeks and if you make the playoffs, which is your goal every year, 11 or 12 or how many ever you, however deep you go. Yep. The other schedule notes there that we have, Waynesboro is going to have that very similar to last year, just opposite uh, way games become home games uh, where they'll play the Shenandoah district opponents up front in the season and then close out the season with the Valley district that stays the same this year. Waynesboro had a heck of a run through those Valley district teams at the end of the season going three and one against those teams. Um, But it also creates a situation where Waynesboro Riverheads is the opener at Waynesboro. That's the only two local teams facing off week one Buffalo gaps, the only other team at home opening weekend, and they will host James river. So a lot of our local teams that uh, are playing Wilson Stanton, not playing all the other ones, on, on the road week one. And, and so, um, you know, we'll, we'll be on radio, we're, we're assuming, and uh, we will uh, we'll be at one of those two games. We'll stay local and we'll either be at Waynesboro for the Riverheads game or watching James River come to Buffalo Gap. And, you know, pretty solid week one matchups, but there'll be plenty of, to break down across the week one schedule. So looking at just some notes, kind of early games that matter the most. I know we'll break it down hard as the season's coming up, but just kind of the look ahead here. You know, when you look at these schedules, that Riverheads Lord Botetourt game for many reasons, what everybody's kind of looking ahead for, you assume Riverheads will be successful against Waynesboro and Perry McClure, uh, so that would lead them to be tied with the VHSL record for consecutive games won at 52, and that week three at home, Riverheads will host Lord Botetourt, the hardest opponent from last year's schedule, now coming to Riverheads. Um, so that that's kind of the biggest game early, especially non-district games this season, and that'll be the interesting one everybody's looking into. 
Yeah, and that's the game right in the entire district that I think of all the non-district games, everyone looks at and goes, all right, this is it. This is Lord Botetot, this is Riverheads. You know, assuming Riverheads doesn't lose to Waynesboro in week one, or I can't remember who they play week Perry two. McClure. Perry McClure. Okay, well, yeah, they're not. So um, that will be for the record, and that's a big deal. So uh, now last year they went to Lord Botetot, surprised some people, surprised me. Uh, kind of ended up beating the pants off Lord Botetot in the second half, and now they get to host them. And if they can beat them again, then they have the record, and then they keep on going, and we'll see how far that thing can go uh, with Riverheads, with the win streak. But that's obviously, of all the non-district games, that's the one people are going to be talking about all summer long in the first two weeks of the yep. season. Uh, absolutely. I already, I've already received texts this week to talk about that game. Um, other games uh, we'll hit here that I've – been hearing about this week, but I'm interested in this week one game for Stewart's draft against William Monroe. That's a game last year um, that didn't get to get played. Uh, it got it got delayed on Friday night, and I think they got back to it on Monday, and then there was rain swooped in and put the game off, and then people waited like five, six weeks to know if it was a tie or if it was a forfeit or what it was, and it just was a no contest. So this will be you know a meeting between these two teams with none of these guys having played on the field against each other all the way for a win or a loss, but they do have the experience with each other last year, which was a tie game in the second quarter. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what comes out of that game. That's a William Monroe program that's much improved from the bottom of the barrel that they were for some time. Uh, you know, they're knocking on the door of playoffs and stuff like that. A game that Stewart's draft is still going to be favored, but I'm interested to see how that game goes for the Cougars. Yeah, and Stewart's draft is losing a lot from their team. So this is kind of a big, big game for them. Um, they need to come out and play strong. Like you said, last year, it was tied when they ended up having to stop due to weather, and then they never did finish the game. So um, I am kind of curious, knowing Stewart's draft, what they lose. And as you said, William Monroe seems to be improving and getting better as a program. So it could be an interesting ball game for Stewart's draft to start off the season. They're going to have to come out ready to play. Definitely. So another game, Buffalo Gap, Luray. This was a, a heck of a game last year a hard-fought game where uh, Buffalo Gap lost uh, because basically they, they just came up a little bit short. I, I don't want to put it all on the kicker, but they didn't have a kicker. You know, when they're going for two and getting denied, uh, they're not even choosing to kick. And so that was the difference in that game last year. LeRae is a team that's continually in the playoffs. They used to not be great, but they've been the last nine fall football seasons, they've been in the playoffs. So, you know, it's a measure and stick game. It's a class two team versus a class one team, but they have a lot of history against each other. So I think it's an early season measure and stick game. I really like the matchup and it'll be interesting to see how the Bison can, can fare against this Larray team. Larray last year starting out four and and seemed real strong with their win with Buffalo gap, but then really trailed off and had to hold on to their playoff spot by the skin of their teeth and then lost in the playoffs to Stewart's draft by a lot. Um, but I'm interested in this early season matchup between these two teams. I think it stands out for Buffalo Gap's schedule in the first three, four weeks. Yeah. I mean, Larray is a good team and Buffalo Gap is playing better and they, they return a lot. Um, we'll see. I mean, that could be a, that's going to be a fun game in week two, but I, I do think for Buffalo Gap this year, it comes down to what's, what's going to be a quarterback. Yeah. I think we're very interested in that. I know you and I are high on, on the Tinsley kid catching the ball, who's going to be getting them the that's ball? A, that's a that's a once in a 
generation kind of wide receiver that Buffalo Gap has. I just I hope they can get somebody who can get him the ball because he could be yeah. a difference maker in the Shenandoah district. And, and we know some of the running backs that'll be strong for them, mm-hmm. and 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 they have plenty back. They lose some, but they have plenty back. So it, it's I think that quarterback position is going to tell a lot for Buffalo Gap this season. I agree. Uh, Wilson Memorial, they hung on to the eighth spot last year by the skin of their teeth. They play Rockbridge in week three. This is a game last year that I thought Wilson was sitting in a position to win. I think they were three and one, four and one when they played this game. But it was after this COVID midseason COVID delay where they had to play a short week. They played on Thursday and then Monday and then Saturday against Riverheads after it. And they lost like all three of them. And, and Rockbridge was that middle game on the short rest. And I don't think Wilson was at their best. So I think this year, that's a game early, assuming everything stays as scheduled, that you you circle of, you know, make up for last year. You know, get the win this year that you should have got last year. It should help you with playoff positioning. And I really do think that's a game that both those teams will look back to when it comes to class uh, to region 3C playoff positioning down the stretch of the season, that it's going to matter Maybe not who's in or out, depending on the outcome, but where people are positioned. But it definitely could. I, mean, I was going to say, I open your eyes. It could mean who's in and out between yeah. those two teams. Rockbridge has been a little more consistently in the pl- playoffs, but they lose a lot this year. So I think that's a really interesting week three game. Of course, it's the same week as the Riverheads Lord Botetourt game. Otherwise, this would probably be the marquee matchup. But uh, a big game happening uh, against Rockbridge. It'll be at Wilson this year. Yeah, and. and- uh, you say, in terms of seeding, that may. I mean, if we think Waynesboro, who I know we're getting ready to talk about, if we think Waynesboro is going to continue to keep taking that step forward under Coach Jarvis, like that's man. If it's not the Rockbridge game, it'll be the Waynesboro Wilson game. Who decides who gets in and who doesn't? And then Waynesboro the Rockbridge. That triangle. We're talking about that game is that it's at this later in the season. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's going to be a huge one when it comes. That triangle there between Wilson, Waynesboro, and Rockbridge. The playoffs is not big enough for all three, in my opinion. So uh, I think somebody is going to be outside looking in, and I think it I think it might come down to that Wilson-Rockbridge game. Now, obviously, we're not going to know it in that moment for sure, but as you said, looking back, that's going to be the one that whoever gets left out is going to look back and say that's the one we needed to win. Well, last year when I thought Wilson may get left out, that was the game I was circling, so mm-hmm. it's, it might just be the same kind of story. Uh, but Wilson's going to want that one. Waynesboro, week two, they play Stewart's draft. That's that's the first opportunity that you got. Okay, Waynesboro plays Riverheads week one. I'm I'm just not going to make that Waynesboro's biggest game because I just don't think they're favored. They're not favored against Stewart's draft either, but you have Stewart's draft who is missing the guy, one of the players that absolutely had the team on his back the last few years, and Aaron Knights, running the football, but also on defense. Now, Stewart's draft returns plenty on defense, but offensively, they got some stuff to figure out. They have the quarterback back. They have a couple other pieces, but a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys that carried the football the most, scored the football the most, particularly with Aaron Nice, they're not there. So can Waynesboro show their improvement with a big game against Stewart's draft? Now, I'm not going to, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to predict Waynesboro to win that football game. I'm not going to sit here and say that, but I think, they can show themselves in that game. If they're, if they're battling Stewart's draft like they they did in other games last season, that made me believe, okay, even though they're losing, I think they, they have their shot this season, and then it proved to be true. I wonder if Stewart's draft's their first opportunity to kind of prove that. And, and then they play all their district foes up front in the season. And so uh, I, I think that Stewart's draft game is just kind of be the indicator. Even if win or loss doesn't tell me the story, 
I want to look at how that game goes and see if, if that tells me something about the Little Giants in 2022. Yeah, I think the being in the game is important for Waynesboro. If they can win it, that's even better. But at goodness, least yes. being in the game. But I'm with you. I think, and this is kind of just how Waynesboro's schedule has panned out. You get your tough, your first two games Ooh, are that's your two the toughest, toughest games. You get yeah. those out of the way. And then, then it comes down to, okay, can we beat Fort? Can we beat Stanton? Can we beat Gap? Can we beat Wilson? And, and those are the games that will determine if you make the playoffs or not in my opinion. Like, those are the and, games and couple, you need to win more than you lose, and you need to not lose to Stanton or Fort, in my opinion. And, and I believe both Wilson going back a team and Waynesboro 5-5 five and five and made the playoffs last year. I don't think you can – you're not going to go into the season saying, hey, we just got to be 5-5 five and five and make the playoffs. You cannot uh, no, depend on you don't want to – Everything yeah. worked out perfectly for that to happen last year with Rustburg beating teams and stuff like that. It, you got to get that sixth, seventh win to feel – confident about the playoffs i think seven to be confident six to think that you're in five you're just going to be holding on and so i think waynesboro maybe not that draft game is maybe not that you know sixth win of the season that i'm, I'm going to be using here but i think it's an indicator of what we'll expect the rest of the way stanton storm new coach mike bell he is uh moving up from the jv team he's coached underneath all the previous coaches played for coach tibbs coached under uh jeromo coached under phillips now he has the reins they start out with like a progression, progression schedule where they'll have a bye week, and then they play a Class 1 team in Covington, a Class 2 team in Page County, and then they'll play Rockbridge County Week 4, and that's the first Class 3 team that they'll play. And this is one of those, hey, Stanton, you want to make a splash? You want to come out here? You want to make the playoffs? Beating Rockbridge is your first step to do that. You know, they won last year. They started out 2-0 against, um, against Page County and uh, Covington. Then it fell off the rails. Rockbridge is going to be that first time that everybody's going to circle the schedule here and say, all right, what is Stanton? If they beat those two teams, what does that tell us? They're going to have to beat Rockbridge for us to believe in them. And 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 I don't want to put the pressure on that's a must-win game. I think for playoffs it probably is. But can you show that improvement? Can you, can you roll through some improvement on this football team? They have quarterback coming back. They have a lot of good weapons, a great, some great defensive talent coming back with Peyton Dunn and, and others over there. I'm just I'm, I'm I'm looking at that Rockbridge game for that early season indicator for the Stanton Storm team. Yeah, um, that's a lot of pressure to put on Stanton. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I got to talk about a game, and that, that's yeah. The <laughs> I I'd say Rockbridge or Wilson. Yeah, I'd say the loser of that game is the one you need to win. Yeah. Yeah, and that's about all you can say. It's just it's, it's going to show something. And then Fort Defiance, hey, here's a one and nine team. They've they dropped back down. They had those two years where they were kind of up last year, wasn't looking good. Then they got the win against Rockbridge. Kind of surprised everybody. Could they build off of it? No, and they they didn't. And so, can you get an early season win? And looking at their early season schedule against Liberty and other teams, I just have Waynesboro circled because it's a local matchup. It's a team that has had similar. Uh, low spells in the last couple decades that you know that usually they're fighting for who's going to have the one win in the valley district for there for a little bit that's the only game i could kind of circle in their early season to even have a hope for winning that maybe waynesboro is not improving and maybe they get worse but it's it was hard choosing there for fort defiance but that waynesboro local matchup uh, just their first opportunity of of trying to catch a team and, and find a win 
And no I know, one would have thought they would beat Rockbridge last year. Maybe Waynesboro's that game this year. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know you're just looking for an early game there, and that's why you pick Waynesboro, but I, I don't think they – if yeah. you're Fort Defiance, I think the early part of the season is just not going to be a fun trip for you. And they lost a lot too. They, I mean, yeah. that's what stinks for that team is that they, they were playing sophomores and seniors last year, it seems like. And so a lot of the guys that you kind of depended on last year, Fort Defiance, they're gone. So you're going to have to hope those sophomores really developed last year. And uh, that that's going to be something you're looking for earlier, Fort Defiance. You know, I, I think if Fort Defiance is one and nine, I, I think it's the team we just talked about in Stanton. I think that's your only shot. Yeah, that's the team you would circle. They don't play until late. And that's why we're right. not talking about this game here. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess that's why I guess when I'm saying like important early games, they're all about equal importance for me in my yeah. in my eyes in terms of realistic hopes of you winning. You just I, can't do I just don't think Waynesboro and Fort Defiance are in opposite directions. Waynesboro is getting better. They're young. They were young last year. They're bringing a lot of that back. They have the Waynesboro's quarterback running back. I mean, I know Riverhead's going to have that. Bennett Dunlap yep. and Kane Cook cash back, but the next best duo at running back quarterback is Waynesboro. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they had um, the Barber. Jones kid. I think they gave him the all-purpose right. uh, uh, district award or something to, just to get him in there. Yep. Um, and then and then Barber was absolutely one of the best running backs in the area. So they're they're loaded offensively uh, with the guys that are going to touch the ball most. That's that's why I, I get why you yeah. put Waynesboro there, but no shot. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, so that's just a taste of the high school football. I know there's a lot of people, you know, thinking about it this week, uh, so we wanted to touch on it here. Make sure you're subscribed to us so you get all the rest of the uh, football breakdown, particularly in August as we run into season, trying to get some preseason interviews as we go through August as well. So make sure you're subscribed for that. But, you know, let's talk about the other uh, scheduling conversation in football that matters to our local fans. That's the ACC football adjusting how football will be scheduled after this season, starting in 2023, and they're going away from the coastal and Atlantic divisions. And, Joe, you and I know this is something that's kind of been rumored, talked about, mm-hmm. needed uh, for a while here. And so no surprises that they they mix things up. But now we actually see the matchups and the, the three um, you know yearly annual opponents that each school will have. And, and there was a lot of reaction on Twitter today. There was, and I, you know, I don't necessarily hate that they're going away from the divisions and making it one division. I don't hate that part of it. Um, three, it's got to be good. You're, like we keep getting these games where it's like Clemson and like who, how the heck did they make it in from the coastal? Like right. I, I'm glad and before it was of, Virginia Tech and who the hell is going to come out of the Atlantic for a while? So a like bit of time for that. Yeah, yeah. This gets us away from that. We're going to have the two best ACC teams. And that's better for the conference. It is. Um, and we saw that during the COVID year, right? When it was Clemson, Notre Dame, and, and they just had the two best opponents play each other. And that's how right. they decided to do and it. it. And that worked great because both teams just got in the playoff. Yep. And so I think that's a great way for the ACC to just kind of say, Hey, we're going to let our two best teams play. And at the end of the year, they're going to play each other. I, I think that's smart. I like that aspect of it. Three primary opponents annually, annually, um, I don't know. Part of me wants it to be four just because of who we don't have on our end. Yeah. Um, but I, I would take three and swap. Like when I'm looking at, so let's just, let's just address the elephant in the room. We've got Pitt, UVA, wake. I would drop wake. Look from a wins standpoint, 
that's great that Wake Forest is on there. And it might be a good time for us to have Wake on our schedule. For, yeah, because they're not good. Like, yeah, they're not yeah. good. Like, I'll take Wake. If if I could pick three opponents, it would be Duke, Wake Forest, Boston College. Like, please. I would never pick Boston College. That's that's why I'm happy. Maybe Boston. Well, maybe Syracuse. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe yeah. Syracuse instead. But you get UVA, Wake, Pitt. We'll see what Tony Elliott does at UVA, but right now UVA is kind of well. We're going to play UVA every year. We a should. roller coaster. I don't yeah, I don't care if they get awesome. We got to play them every year. Let's. Go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Pitt is is a team I hate. I have grown to hate Pitt for a long time. It's and easy so for me to hate there. Them. So I yep. don't. I don't hate. Them I don't hate Pitt. The yeah. team I miss is Miami. I wish right. Miami was there. I hate Miami. It's a great rivalry between Virginia Tech and Miami. That's who I want. And if we had four, I think we would get them. Honestly, looking at Miami's three, Boston College, Florida State, and Louisville, I get Florida State. Boston College and Louisville are bananas for me. I don't get why they have Boston College and Louisville. I don't view those schools as rivals of Miami. I view Virginia Tech as an absolute rival of Miami. I think Miami would say of conference opponents, Virginia Tech is a rival of theirs. I think North Carolina and Miami are bigger rivals. Every year since like 91 with Miami. Yeah, I think North Carolina and Miami are bigger rivals. Now, I get why in North Carolina's standpoint they didn't do that. Um, To be honest, I don't know why the North Carolina schools aren't on each other's, but whatever. Um, I guess there's too many of them. There's too many of them. No matter what, you were going to get something left out. So Wake gets left out um, because they Wake is, yeah, the weird one. Um, but but wait, it's with Duke. I mean, I mean, it, there's give and take there. Yep. Yeah. But, um, I just, yeah, that's the only part of this. I don't like, I I wish we would have had Miami. And I was really scared. We were going to get Boston college. Boston college was one of those that we were playing every year already. Um, I, I, I just do not like playing Boston college. I know we've lost to them. I'm not, I'm not saying we always dominate them. So it's boring. I'm just, I don't, I don't like that game. I don't I don't like watching games that happen at Boston College. So I just I don't like that game. It, I don't get fired up for Boston College. So I, I feel like there was maybe some kind of a sacrifice. Like, hey, you don't have to play Boston College every year, but you're going to lose Miami. And like, I think I hated playing Boston College more than I than I necessarily look forward to Miami because Miami can be scary. I, I I think there's an aspect that like I don't mind Wake Forest in our three for the next four years. Well, we kind of get back on our feet. They've only committed to this from 23 to 26. So I, I would like to see commitment that they're going to like change one opponent for every school. So you can correct your North Carolina school thing and, and flip them and, and flip them around. So they're playing more the next four years. Switch Wake Forest and, and Miami for us. Like, but that's I, almost I why they play with it a little bit every four years. That's fine. Just adjust one team and, and make it work out. I like the idea of the three teams, because it allows that within the four-year cycle, you're going to play every team twice. Every team's going to come to your school within a four-year cycle. The the math of that all equals out. I hate the thing, like Florida State hadn't come to Virginia Tech since 2012, and they were supposed to come actually in 2023, and now that gets pushed back, but at least they will definitely come in those four years, and we'll go there in four years. Like I like the symmetry of the schedule, so I, I don't mind the three schools. I, I saw Andy Bitter's tweet, who is the former writer for Virginia Tech football, and on a beach somewhere, he just called it out immediately. He said, did they just switch Louisville and Virginia Tech's three? Because Louisville's three makes perfect sense for Virginia Tech. 
Louisville has Georgia Tech, Miami, and UVA. And I'm, I, I full-heartedly agree. Georgia Tech makes sense. We have a little bit of a rival with there. Both, uh, you know, technical schools. I, I like that right. matchup. Um, the Miami's obvious. The UVA's obvious. So I like that. But if we're going to be have a team that just doesn't make as much sense, I do appreciate that it's Wake Forest, which is an easy road trip for our fans. We're going to go down there and own yeah. half or more of that stadium. So, like, if we have one oddball, Wake Forest, I, I don't mind. It's it's, the, it's my top choice for the oddballs uh, for these four years. So, overall, I guess I'm slightly more positive than negative on this. But I will – I uh, absolutely agree. I, I'll miss facing Miami every year. I mean, no matter what, every year – when do we play on Thursday? I think Clark said this every year. We play. When do we play on Thursday? And when do we play Miami? Like you look at the schedule. And yeah, that's what you want to I, I just loved. We, we I that. loved that matchup. I loved that rivalry. It was always great. Um, we wouldn't win every year, but it was a fun rivalry, and it was a great rivalry. Every time they came to Blacksburg, you you knew the crowd oh. got up for it, and th- that's gonna suck not having that. Um, I, I, I will say in terms of like, uh what they did with Pitt's schedule, like, that makes sense to me. Pitt's yeah, three opponents, the, Boston College, Big Syracuse, East. Virginia Tech. Yeah, former Big East yeah. rivals. That makes sense to me. Virginia Tech has UVA, who's their in-state rival they have to have. Pitt, former Big East rival. They've We've been contentious with them in the ACC as well. And then, like we said, Wake Forest is the one where you're like, okay, I don't know. Um, but, yeah. yeah, so that's why I, I just desperately wish it had been Miami or North Carolina um, if I had my pick um, in terms of yeah. like teams that are genuine rivals that I don't like Georgia tech would have been like option C for me. It would have been Miami I, I, one UNC two Georgia tech three. Yeah. I'd have taken Georgia tech over UNC also acknowledging that UVA and UNC have a little bit more of a thing going than, than we do with UNC. I know we like to play them because we generally beat them. And, and that's yeah, nice. but for a while that UNC Virginia tech game, like decided a coastal. Yeah, I just I think across the board, UVA and UNC, they they had a bit of a rivalry before we were even in the ACC. So that that's why Carolina's going to play two Carolina schools, and then UVA. That makes sense. I I don't know. I can get there on all these. I'm I'm fine with it. I just want there to be acknowledgement that like absolutely every four years we're going to tweak one school for every for everybody. And, I don't know that I that's going to happen though. I would like that. I would like that hope just to mix it up. All right. Um, Just as long as UVA is not that school, though, that gets tweaked. Like, I never want to lose that. I never want to have that opponent taken from us. I want to play UVA every year. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't think they ever would. I don't think they're going to. Well, but then we're trusting. We're trusting a lot of people who I just don't know have the (laughs) greatest vision. We have a new commissioner now, so I'm going to give him a chance to screw up before I don't trust him. Well, but in my mind, he screwed up by not having us play Miami. Like, yeah. Apparently, I think I saw a thing this afternoon. I didn't read the article, but I saw kind of a tweet um, review, and they presented like three different options to whip Babcock, and he said he was fine with any one of them. So I, I don't know how the whole system works. Well, uh, what's you know, the so, other system, I guess? I want to know what the other options were, I guess. I guess yeah. one was to keep division. It doesn't matter now because this is what we got. I think people online today, nothing, nothing proves you don't understand how this works than Twitter after something like this comes out. Cause people are just like, they're acting like it's still debatable. And it's like, no, th- this is what's happening. Like <laughs> this isn't changing. Uh, you know, one person was pretty confused on like what it meant for non-conference. I was like, nothing. This is our in-conference, but yeah, yeah it, it's always fun. 
Uh, quickly, I, I, UVA is playing Louisville, UNC, Virginia Tech. Did, did we hit that? Louisville yeah. makes no sense. So, yeah. Well, right. but they've got to uh, play somebody. Louisville's got to play somebody. Louisville's the newest one in. They've got to play somebody. I think them and UVA have actually had some close games. So, sure. Honestly, Wake Forest UVA makes more sense to me than us and Wake Forest. But I, Louisville would have been one that I would have probably put before Wake Forest. I mean, the thing is, is like Wake for us. Wake and Duke are like the similar schools, and and they play each other. I guess Boston College is another small private school, right? Um, I don't know. UVA and UNC, like apparently UNC is like the UVA of of that state. Like that's how it, I've heard it said before I, don't so know. I, I get that i get i get why they did that all right you've been uh calling any baseball games lately yeah we've been calling you, a lot you of had all off last week we talked you were in the middle of a vacation yeah in the middle of another <laughs> one right now because they have tuesday and uh which we're recording now and they're, wednesday off they're gonna miss this uh that last week of july aren't they <laughs> oh. um Stanton right now is seven and fourteen. They're seven and a half back of the Generals for first place at the time of recording. Waynesboro is nine and one in their last ten. They are on fire. I mean, they are the hottest team in the league. They are absolutely tearing it up. They're playing great baseball right now. Um, not surprising. They've gotten some players in that they've been waiting on all summer, and they're clicking on all cylinders. For Stanton, the offense, which had been doing great, has kind of gone silent recently. They just got to figure that out. Um, they've gone to the opener role that's helped with the pitching tremendously. Um, but they just, they need to figure out the offense and get that clicking again. They've got some new guys into town. We'll see how that shakes out. I was pretty excited a couple, uh, days ago, last Thursday, I was listening to you call the game. And, uh, a lot of these guys that had bad performances before they took that break, uh, really came on strong in that game. So I, I've been encouraged by the, the better pitching, uh, that I've paid attention to. Uh, there might be someone I wasn't paying That's attention. That's true. We to. need to – yeah, we should yeah. talk about that. I mean, that was the first game after their break. Yeah. Um, they, they the bullpen refreshed. came they in. Well. Yeah, the bullpen – the opener came in, um, gave up – was it one or two hits? It was no runs, I though. Two. I think it was yeah, one in the two first hits. and one in the second. Yeah, yeah uh, but no runs through his first two innings. And then the bullpen came in and pitched seven perfect innings. I mean, just great performance from the Not bullpen. Not absolutely perfect, but but – no, they it was good. absolutely perfect from the was bullpen. It perfect? I missed that. I missed that. Yeah, it I was absolutely was... perfect from the bullpen. No walks, I no thought nothing. That the next guy did perfect, but then I thought the next guy had a walk. But that's my nope. bad. Um, so that's good. That, that's awesome. So yeah, that was that's fun to watch. That's fun to hear uh, happen. Uh, but they got to put it together for more wins. And so the good thing is with the Valley League, you just got to get out of that final spot. Um, for playoffs, I know it's still early to kind of say, talk playoffs. It looks like only, them and Covington. They're one game behind in the win column from Covington, so I, I'm, I'm hoping they can at least not finish last. That's that's kind of my new hope because they're not going to make it up to first and uh, not finish last. I think is my new hope and see who's playing come August. And it is a war of attrition, so you just got to hope you have yeah. more guys. At new the markets end. like begging for players right now. Uh huh. All right, uh, College World Series. I was happy that Oklahoma made it to the final. I was hoping they'd win it all, just so we could say as Virginia Tech fans, hey. Oh, I don't care about that. Go ahead. But uh, Ole Miss took them down. I do not like Ole Miss. I I think I increased my dislike of them watching their baseball fans. Uh, But Hmm. Ole Miss beats Oklahoma. Uh, It was heartbreaking a little bit because Oklahoma was winning that game. 
and in the eighth, it was allowed the eighth. two wild pitches, allowed um, two runs for Ole Miss for them to tie and then take the lead, and that's the difference in the ball game. And uh, so um, that was that was a disappointing way to watch that. It made it made dinner that I was eating uh, during that time a, a lot less fun. I just don't like Ole Miss. I've, I've uh, just, someone I've made just, an investment know. opportunity going into that eighth inning, so was very happy for the timing of those wild wow. pitches that allowed Ole Miss to come back and win. Yeah. Um, but going off yes. your point, I th- losing to be like saying, "Oh, well, we got eliminated by the champion." Does nothing for me. I don't like that. It does nothing for me. Does not take away that we lost. Yeah. At least we didn't lose to trash. At least we didn't lose. To oh, I don't. Just, it doesn't. You know, we... When you if you lose and get bounced in the postseason, you lose and get bounced in the postseason. Yeah. It wasn't a. I just don't think it was a choke job, as some people to our east tried to say it was there. I mean, I, I didn't find it a choke job. Like we lost. We were in a super regional. They weren't. That's that's all I'd say. Yeah, that's was I think my exact response to the last person that said that to me. All right, let's move it up to majors. Uh, some notes there. I want to start with what excited me the most in the majors this last week, and there's there's been plenty of highlights. But O'Neill Cruz, the Pirates brought him up and. He is going to be the only bright spot for this organization for this season, maybe next season. He is a six uh, eight shortstop who threw it 96 mile an hour from shortstop to first base to get a guy out in, in I think the first opportunity he had to field a grounder. Um, he's hit a homer already. He runs fast. He's a fun player to watch for an organization that just does not win. I am excited for this player and to watch him for the time we have him. Um, I know we won't dwell on this topic very long. You know, he's not uh, Roushman for uh, the Orioles or anything that, you know, we dedicate a segment to. But I've been very excited for him to, to come up. Uh, he should have stayed up at the beginning of the season. He was ready in April. But they send him down for service time and all that mess. But I'm happy to have him the rest of the way. And it's going to make me more excited to watch Pirates games. Yeah. Um, 6'8 is unusual at shortstop. I mean, Aaron. that is a gigantic human being. Um yeah. I would imagine my, my concern for him would just be with that frame, how long he can play that position. Yeah. Hey, there's um, the DH everywhere now. Yeah, but there, that's exactly right. <laughs> so that does help in that respect. But, I mean, that just, you know, looking big picture, that would be my concern there. Uh, but I'm sorry, I obviously see him move into, like, a corner outfield position before DH. Like, Maybe. I, I don't know. I could see that happening. Yeah, I don't know where else he's played and what else he can play. Like, he might not and be able to play the shortstop. He can play left field. Uh, no. If that if, was true, the Yankees would have moved Derek Jeter to left field. If Moneyball can uh, make a first baseman out of Chris Pratt, then. <laughs> yeah, I, but, but that's not true. So, um, it's extremely hard. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> just, you saying that. I, mean, the first, I was just like, wow. Arm. I think he could play an outfield position. I, yeah, but you have to be able to like read fly balls off the bat. Like it's it's an entirely different mindset playing outfield from infield. I, I'm I'm familiar okay. with well then because the way you're talking, it doesn't sound like it. But okay, I've seen other guys move to left field. I it, I could see that being a possibility for this guy. I'm not guaranteeing it. I'm just he's an athletic dude. I could see it happening. Okay. Okay. What else do you want to talk about, Major League Baseball? What's got you excited? Um, I will say that, uh, you know, you look at the Yankees, they got no hit. It was a combined no hitter, but it's still no hit. 
it means they lost. That's that's always good. Right. <laughs> and that's always fun. Um the Astros are actually the last team to no hit the Yankees twice now. And they did it with six pitchers in that one. Yeah. So this time they cut it in half. Maybe next time we'll get it within one. Um one and a half. That's true. Let's not talk about what it takes for a half pitcher, but well <laughs> we'll figure it out when we get there. Um but, but the other thing that has me excited is the Orioles. I mean, 14 and 10 in the month of June with two games left. I mean, come on. We're getting better. Now, unfortunately, everyone else in the division also has a winning record in the month yeah. of June. So Boston we haven't, woke up. We haven't yeah. really gained any ground. But <laughs> as an Orioles fan, like, this team is going to – they are getting better. I can see it. Rushman is hitting the absolute bleep out of the ball right now. And the pitchers are pitching better. The pitchers are better when he's behind the plate. No knock. Robinson Chirinos, love him as my backup catcher, which is what I said at the beginning of the year. I'd love to have Robinson Chirinos as my backup catcher. I don't want him as my everyday catcher. Um, The Orioles are going to have tough decisions to make at the deadline because if they keep winning and keep having winning records in months, like they're, they are inching closer to a wild card spot. Now I'm not unrealistic. I don't think they're going to get there. I don't think they can get into the playoffs, but if they're hovering around 500, some of those guys that I kind of felt like, yeah, you probably trade them just to get something for them. I don't know if you do now. Trey Mancini is one that I still think you probably do, just because I don't know where he goes. Like, and I know that's unpopular with some Orioles fans, but you just have to ask yourself, where do you play him? If Ryan Mountcastle is going to go play first, where do you put Trey Mancini? Yeah. You, don't, you don't have anywhere in the outfield to put him. Santander is another guy who's a good outfielder. Love him. But you've got guys behind him in the minors that you think might be superstars. Like, so what do you do with Santander? I don't know. I like Santander. Uh, he's one of my favorite players on the team right now. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, well, unless we're going to, like, trade some of those younger outfield prospects, which is an answer, right? You could trade some of them in the offseason and try to get a starting pitcher because you're going to need more starting pitching. Then I don't know what you do. Like, you're going to run into a logjam effect there. You need third baseman. You hope that some of the guys you have in the minors are the answer. Uh, Gunnar Henderson at shortstop looks great. You want to bring him up soon, I would think. Um, and I am just really excited about what the Orioles are doing right now and how they look. And it's a perfect example as we absolutely bludgeon the Seattle Mariners, Buster Olney's, you know, golden idol in the offseason of, like, at least they're trying Cool. Well, they're trying. We're allegedly not trying, and we have the same record. And we absolutely went to T-Mobile Park and beat them. Senseless. Everyone in our lineup had a hit. We had two back-to-back home run innings. Seattle's that team I thought might be better this year. because I. Hey, I you remember Seattle's top ball. prospect, Jared Kalenic? Yeah, yeah, he's no longer on the Mariners. That guy sucks. Yeah, I drafted him... Last year, same fantasy season. baseball, and uh, that was a mistake then. So I kept him because I was like, "Well, he just needed to figure out in the minors." And then he came up again this year and still hadn't figured it out. Yeah, I figured him out. Bust. Speaking of what I noticed in fantasy baseball, I played against um, a person in our fantasy baseball. She's actually living in Japan, so she has a. Oh wow! She can is when that three a.m. Uh, next day, pick up who you want thing opens up, you know, it's midday for her, so she has an advantage there. But she also has this guy by the name of Shohei Otani, 
and she has them both as a pitcher and uh, as a DH or as, you know, as a position player. And uh, he had a heck of a week. And the reason I know that is because I played her this week in fantasy baseball, and I should have just bludgeoned her this week, and I had to win by three points, uh, which out of, you know, a 300 aim there, uh, that's, that's a tight week. So, yeah, he had a huge week on Tuesday, particularly at the plate. He had two home runs and eight RBIs. And so then he goes to sleep that night, tired from a good night of hitting, wakes up, pitches the next day, eight shutout innings, 13 Ks. He's only given up one earned run in his last three starts. He's exciting. I, I love I love what he brings to the game. He's exciting. I'm, every time the Angels, you know, our Major League Baseball uh, network, I, I try to watch him for a minute because that Angels team never makes sense to me why they're as bad as they are. Yes. Uh, but he's fun to watch. So I, I do that. And, uh, you know, I think what kind of shows what's wrong with the Angels is that he's pitching great. He has a 2.9 ERA. That ain't bad. No. He's 64 on the season in 12 starts. Like, that shows you what's happening around him is that he's he's pitching well and still losing games and uh so it, i i hope during his career the angels can figure something out because he's a star in baseball and it'd be nice for him to have that showcase at some point uh you know with primetime games in october that would be fun to watch and and see what he could do there well and you know it's interesting you bring that up and I, you know i shared that i would like to see them in the playoffs but yeah. The Angels haven't given us any indication they know how to do that. Like, they haven't no, done with Mike don't. Trout. No. I, I, Orioles Twitter had fun, you know, kind of poking fun at MLB Twitter saying, on this day, Mike Trout robbed J.J. Hardy of a home run and let Baltimore and the rest of the MLB know he was here to stay or whatever. And, it, you know, Orioles Twitter was like, the Orioles have six playoff wins since this catch. Mike Trout has four. Like, Mike Trout has been to the playoffs one time. Yeah, wow. It it's bad, it's not good. Like, no. I, and I don't get it. Right? Like they have That's Mike Trout. They now have Shohei Otani. They have Otani, a guy doing something that hasn't been done since Babe Ruth in terms of like pitching and hitting. And then Babe Ruth gave up on pitching. But like, no one has been able to do that since then. And you can't figure it out. With him, Mike Trout. They have Anthony Rendon on the team, too. Um, they've got other players, and it's just it's mind-boggling. And so, again, like that's not to keep bringing them up, but it's, it is what is annoying when the national media is like, well, the Orioles aren't even trying. And I'm like, okay, should we be the Angels and just light money on fire and not go to the playoffs? No. Yeah. We're, we have, we're not going to go to the playoffs this year, but our payroll is dirt cheap, and we have a bunch of young guys that we have built through the system that, by the way, look really good. And we're going to start being competitive next year. So the same thing I, I don't always know. say, though, I just I hope I hope we've bottomed out on the Orioles, you know, like we fully executed the plan. Oh, yeah. It needs to be done. Out. Yeah. And, and, and you do need starting up. pitching. Can't, can't keep going. So. Yeah. They are going to have to start spending a little bit of money on starting pitching. Yeah. Like because not all of that is in guys. the farm system. Yeah. So you got to spend some money there. But. Yeah, it's just like, I'm like, okay, well, we could do this the Mariners and Angels way of light millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on fire and still not go to the playoffs in an absolute dog crap division. That's the other thing. I wish the Orioles weren't in the AL East. If we weren't in the AL East, we would absolutely be in the playoffs this year. But unfortunately, we have to play an unholy amount of games against four teams with a winning record. If we could play the Rangers, A's, and uh, Angels, yeah, we'd be great. 
All right, let's move it over to the NBA for just for a second. I mean, I know you didn't pay attention to the draft. No, didn't watch I, one second. I, I used to watch the draft all the time. Like, I used to, like, it was like a, a night in the summer that, like, you know, my buddy Steve, he'd be over, we'd watch the draft. And and I, I looked back at first picks to, like, when did I stop watching the draft? And I guess it was around, you know, 2010, 2011, 12 area, somewhere in there. And I think it coincides with the, the one and done rule. You know, I think I, I felt like I knew the players better when the high school players got, you know, promoted that they were coming straight. So I felt like I knew them. But then the rest was a lot of college guys. And now a lot of these one and doneers, like I, I can't remember where these guys went to college because they're only there one year. Um, So I, I guess my interest level, like I just don't know as many of the guys in there because I didn't watch so many of them play for col- in college for two or three years. So I think that's the difference for me. Um. I, I mean, I, I paid enough attention to the coverage that I knew uh, uh, Banchero was supposed to probably go third to Houston, and it seemed like the uh, kid from Auburn, uh, Jabari Smith, was supposed to go number one. And then the whole week leading into the draft, the odds of that happening in Vegas got less and less, but it still was a surprise. Uh, Banchero go number one to Orlando, who Orlando's former number one draft picks is Shaquille O'Neal and, and, um, and Howard, uh, Dwight Howard. So he's in good company there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they can do there. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he was good at Duke, but I only saw him for one year. So we'll, we'll see what he gets turned into. Yeah. It's, it's hard to read. Um, and it gets harder for NBA teams to read this when they don't have it as much time at, right. uh, seeing these kids play in college. Um, but, um, yeah, I've never been super into the NBA draft. So, um, I used to be, when I was a kid and, and sure. Even in college, I mean, I. But I'm just saying, like this year, I, I watched no seconds of it. But um, yeah, you were calling a baseball game, and mm-hmm. the only reason I knew who was drafted first was because I was listening to you call a baseball game, and my phone buzzed from ESPN and said who got drafted, and I didn't rush to the TV. I just said, "How about that?" The only really storyline I knew for this draft didn't go the way everybody told me it was gonna. Yeah. All right. Uh, the only other NBA news is this: Kyrie Irving, who's always, you know. Wanting Man. to go somewhere else or do something else. Well, but didn't he just uh, opt in to a deal? He with the opted Nets? in, but to so he could negotiate a sign and trade to with Max money. That's what he's doing. Oh, okay. We well, opted in, but with, but I like, don't think anybody wants him. Apparently, Miami does. And today, that was the rumor that was hot and heavy. Was Miami wants him? I think for what Miami's been doing, it's the stupidest thing. When I heard that, I was like, why? I don't think Miami's going to – yeah, I don't think that's a fit there. For their sake, I hope they don't. And other people are thinking the Lakers are going to get him. I I don't know. I just – I don't need Kyrie Irving. I don't – he's absolutely a great basketball player. When he was at Duke, he was amazing early in his NBA career. Amazing. But that was when you got more than 40% of Kyrie Irving. Now you get him 40% of the time. 60% of the time, he's going to have a reason for not being there, whether it's injury, he just doesn't want to play, he refuses to deal with what he needs to deal with to be eligible to play. You only get 40% of Kyrie Irving, and I'd rather have pretty much everybody, any any other star that will give me 80-plus percent of themselves yeah. than 40% of Kyrie Irving. I don't, I don't think. He's great. He's I don't so think good. he ends up in Miami. I hope not. I hope not. Um, so, NHL yeah, was like, exciting. The, yeah. Your I'm avalanche do close it out in six. Um, I was kind of worried for a little bit there in when they lost game five and then fell behind early in game one, I was like, "Mm, uh Oh, 
Because if this goes seven, all the pressure is on six. Colorado. Fell behind in game six, yeah. Yeah, what did I say? Five? I meant game six. You said one. I don't, oh, I don't know where yeah, no. <laughs> fell behind <laughs> Fell behind. Uh, one nothing early, I guess, yeah, I, yeah, was yeah, what yeah. I was trying to say, uh, in game six. I was like, uh-oh, because in my mind, I'm like, this is in Tampa. If they don't win this game and they have to go back home, knowing they were up 3-1, Tampa Bay has just rattled off two straight. They're the two-time reigning, defending Stanley Cup champions. Pressure's on you, Colorado, because you had them dead and buried at 3-1. But they end up pulling it out with a 2-1 win, uh, and Colorado looked good uh, in this in this postseason. They win the championship. They win the Stanley Cup. They dent it in reg- uh, record time, according to the handler of the Stanley Cup trophy. Um, but I... I you know, this is a good team. I I do think um, I wouldn't put money on them to repeat just because it's really hard to do. I know the Tampa Bay Lightning just did it and almost three-peated, but that's incredibly difficult. And yeah. um, Especially in hockey. Hockey is yeah. even harder than other sports. Because it's just so random when you get in the playoffs. The, the puck yeah. takes funny bounces. And, I mean, honestly, like Colorado in their win in uh, game four in overtime, like, that was a pretty bad call that wasn't called or a pretty bad no call that allowed Colorado to get the game winning goal. Like there are too many men on the I ice. I liked it. I liked it. There are too many men on the ice. That's that's absolutely got to be called in that situation. And because they didn't, it's 3-1 Colorado. If they don't call it, Tampa Bay ends up winning. It's 2-2 and then it's a brand new series. Um but they didn't. So Colorado gets the win. Uh and then they win the Stanley Cup. Congratulations to Colorado. It was I love watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. I enjoyed watching that game. Um, I was disappointed in the way it turned out for investment purposes, but that's okay. I still enjoy watching the hockey playoffs even when they don't go my way, and I don't hate Colorado. Yeah. Well, and I've been on them the, for two it's years. It's the closest so Canada has been to a Stanley Cup because Colorado uh, in 1996, or 1995, I guess, was actually the Quebec Nordiques. And then they moved to Colorado. So that's the closest Canada has been to a Stanley Cup in a while. It's saying that yeah. that team used to play in Canada. Yeah. And they've won two there in Colorado, right? I believe this is thrice. Oh, this is third. Yeah. They won in 96 right after they got there. Mm-hmm. And then won in 2001. That's right. Um, so what's dominating my life, I think, is also dominating your life based on uh, some text messages. Uh, I just we don't have to dig into the show because it's new and it's running right now. So I don't want to spoiler alert. And all the show is, is suspense. Uh, the old man on FX also can be found on Hulu. Absolutely recommend for everyone listening. Uh, not, not for the kiddos, but uh, for all adults. Um, it's, you know, it's not terribly intense, um, but it's very good. Very well done. Um, I, I, Jeff Bridges is the lead and just very good. John Lithgow, the, the lead in opposition to him, who I love John Lithgow. Yeah. Um, and then maybe from Arrested Development, mm-hmm. she's in there, Aaliyah Shawkat. You know, she's had a lot of comedic roles in her uh, previous, and this is not funny um, of, of a role, but she's doing great in it in the, in the three episodes that we've had so far. It's so well acted across the board. Um, I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, watched the first episode and was absolutely hooked. And then season, and then episodes two and three have been great as well. And Joe, I know you're liking it. Yeah. And I'm going to talk to you about it when we get done recording um, and get your thoughts on stuff. Um, but yeah, I've, I have loved it. I got to thank uh, Rob for 
friend of the podcast, Rob, for turning me on to it. Well, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, but he <laughs> um, he turned me on to it, and it's been it hasn't disappointed. I I had planned on getting to it eventually, just because Jeff Bridges was in it, and I was like, ah, if Jeff Bridges is in it, I'll give it a look see. But when he was like, it's really good. I was like, okay, well, let's see what it's about then. Um, yeah. The and, previews, though, the commercials look great. Yeah, it, it is. It's fantastic. It's if you have time. It's on FX. It's a brand new show right now. Only three episodes are out. A fourth one will come out on Thursday. So you can catch up quickly and then be caught up. You don't have to worry about spoilers and stuff. It's, it is that good of a show. It's a show yeah. that I am making time to try to watch an episode a week when it comes out, either that, thir- yeah. either that Friday or quickly on the weekend to try to catch up on the show because I just don't want to fall behind on it because I, I just need to know what's going on. And and this has reminded me, you know, John Lithgow is a guy that I, I don't think gets a lot of first run talk about. You know, Jeff Bridges, he has, you know, his movies that he's been in that mm-hmm. people love. And, and I think he gets propped up there and he has he has that way about him. John Lithgow, he has a, he's been in so many things uh, for so long of a time and he can he can play the funny guy. He can play the serious guy. He, he can just do it all. I I. I really like him as an actor. I really enjoy when he's on the screen. Um, he was Third Rock from the Sun was the sitcom that, you know, when we were younger, like that, that was, that's why I know him the most. And I know probably anybody older than us is going to list off the other stuff from before then that, it, that, you should, that we should know him for. But Third Rock from the Sun is where I got to know him, but he's been in other great things. The show that I really liked a couple years ago, I think this was before we did the podcast. I don't think we talked about it on here. Uh, trial and error. It was an NBC show. It's probably available somewhere deep in Peacock. I, Peacock, I would assume. Yeah. Um, but John Lithgow was the um, the guy up on trial on the first season, and I mean he was perfect. I mean he just played it so well. So I kind of recommend going back and watching that. Very different show than what we're talking about here with the old man. That's a, a funny show, uh, kind of like The Office. Uh, same kind of brand of humor there. Um, with with some characters there, but I do recommend going back and watching that for a laugh. Um, but John Lithgow, I just kind of this has reminded me how much I enjoy him. But uh, yeah, that's that's my recommendation for the week, probably for the month. Everybody I talk to, I've been telling them go watch The Old Man, and so wanted to say it here. Yeah, it, I have absolutely dug that show. Um, Stranger Things is going to end this week. Well, it's not going to end. Season four will end because apparently they are going to do a season five, which. No spoilers if you haven't watched any of season four and you're just waiting for him to dump it all before you start watching. But I will be honest. I The way this season is setting up, I thought this was a perfect time to end it. The fact that they've already said, yeah, we are going to make a season five, and that will be the last season. I thought this season was supposed to be the last season, so I'm already pissed off that they're going to do another season. Um, it reminds me of the ending of Obi-Wan, like, I'm fine with that being the end. You just don't like shows continuing. Yeah, just end it. Just tell a story and end it. You don't have to keep trying to get every single penny and then ruining a story and ruining a show by just trying to draw it out. Tell a story and end it. It's okay to be creative and, you know, tell another story. Like, I I hate that. Obi-Wan Season 2 is going to be a tire fire. They haven't even come out with it yet, but I already know it because I don't trust the people involved. I didn't think this season was that good, but I thought it was fine. I thought it was I fine. It. I, I enjoyed it enough, but I enjoy it a lot more if it's one season and it's done. Doing another season, I, the posi- now everything that I didn't like about season one I'm, is going to get heightened. 
because I, your season two is not going to be as good. I already know it. And season five of Stranger Things, I almost didn't watch this season because season three sucked so hard. The side story that goes on in season four that involves a, a pretty major character through the first three seasons, but it's a side story in season four. I so don't care about that. If all of those people were just not in this season, I would enjoy it more. It would trim s- some unnecessarily long episodes, in my opinion, and I would not lose a wink of sleep. I have not thought, when I'm not watching the show, during this, like, waiting for the last two episodes, at no point have I been like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen with them. Hopefully, they're, hopefully they don't make it out, and I don't have to watch them in season five. Like, that's what I'm hoping. But that's not what they're going to do, because like Disney, they're afraid to kill anyone that's semi-important. <laughs> the problem with Obi-Wan not killing anybody, and we talked about this, is oh that my he, God. he can't, because there's, there's already you know, material made with these Well, but we could have killed some there's of them. One of these obvious situations where someone should kill somebody. Yeah, you're right. There is one character that could There are two die. characters they could have killed that they chose not to. Yeah. The one from earlier that makes the surprise appearance and you're like, oh, cool. That person didn't die either. Great. It's just so dumb. (laughs) All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, That was episode 199 of the podcast. So next week we will hit the 200 mark on the podcast. Um, And uh, but we'll have plenty of sports to talk about. That, and we'll talk about what matters to you, the Augusta County Sports Fan. Make sure you're following us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you can email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. And make sure you're subscribed, especially here in the summer when you don't know when we, we might drop it on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday, maybe even a Wednesday. Make sure you're subscribed so you, it's in your uh, feed as soon as it's available on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. And we will look forward to talking to you all again next week.